Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert Rand, your host. Today, we're going to be talking about helping your website live and thrive on the edge. Uh, as many of our listeners will be aware, and some will be learning about today, uh, maybe for the first time or certainly in more depth, websites and online applications may start uh, with hosting at a web server or a hosting account of one kind or another, but uh, they will often have components that are distributed across a much wider network of servers, often around the globe. And so we're lucky to have with us today, Stu from the Section.io team. Uh, Stuart is the CEO of Section. And uh, Stu, would you do the honors of introducing yourself? Absolutely, Robert. Thanks for having us. Um, uh, as you mentioned, I'm CEO of Section um, and one of the co-founders of Section. Uh, we actually started the company back in Australia uh, some years ago and uh, are now based out of uh, Colorado, USA. So um, good to be here. We, um, we are essentially an organization who help engineers get control of and access to those uh, workloads in distributed formats like uh, as we were just describing, beyond the um, centralized infrastructure. Awesome. And uh, one of my favorite companies to ask, uh, or one of my favorite questions to ask tech companies uh, consistently is, how did you get the name section, or in this case, you know, known as section.io? How did that all come about? Uh, is, is there a good story behind it? Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of a story behind it. We've, we've We've also dropped the IO these days, so um, trying to shorten shorten the world and make things more simple. We're uh, we're just a section, um, but uh, the origins of the name were uh, as uh, as usual with our organisation, standing around a whiteboard with a with a bunch of uh, people who are interested in um, thinking about what this application meant for um, for the future of the internet. Um, you know, our mission is really about changing the internet and the way applications work on the internet. And we were thinking about section when we were thinking about the uh, the volume of traffic that was going to be traversed in the internet in future, and thinking about that as a as an oncoming wave. Um, so some of us at section uh, enjoy surfing, and um, uh, the part of part of the wave that or part of a surfing wave that is often talked about in surfing parlance is the a section of the wave um, so you either make the section or you don't make the section it's the piece between the, the broken part of the waves that uh, are probably the most interesting to surf on so um, it also has a has a, a little bit of a, a connotation with respect to the container based structure of our platform in that uh, applications are deployed in essentially uh, sections or uh, components on the on this on the section platform at the edge so basically containerized it at the edge uh and let's dive in a little bit there. So what can you tell me about, uh, from your vantage point as, as a leader in edge networking, um, what really goes into an edge network? Why, you know, why these have become so important uh, in the market? Um, you know, any mystery there <laughs> uh, that, that you typically run into as you're explaining to uh, folks what it is that, that your company has been able to achieve in these years and uh, and why you're in such demand? That's uh, possibly a minefield of a question. In oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I think before I answer that question, we probably should tackle the the, uh, 
the big one, which is where is the edge? So, you know, we live on a, a spherical planet. Um, we have, and the internet is a, a series of interconnected devices in a mesh. Therefore, the reality is there probably isn't an edge to the internet. Um, but uh, uh, we think about edge. Uh, people have come at the problem in the provider space and the service provider space and thought about the edge essentially as, as where their infrastructure is. So we'd probably like to talk about the edge as being a world of or, or where the edge is as being where um, application controllers or application owners start to lose control of components of their uh, application or maybe not lose control but perhaps cede control to other parts of the, um, the internet chain. Um, so again, you know, some of these uh, legacy service providers, whether it's cloud or CDN or um, even telcos, will all talk about the edge as being where their infrastructure is because essentially that's where they have or, or will seek control of, um, of components of an application. But when we think about it from an application owner's perspective, um, as an application is delivered from centralised infrastructure right through to an end user, which may be a, an internet browser or an application user, um, uh, there's actually steps all along the way there where control can be retained, maintained or ceded subject to the application case. So we think about the edge as not just one layer in that that delivery chain out to the, um, the end user, but more of a what we call an, an edge compute continuum in that all of those locations are edges to the internet where uh, certain components of the application can be run, delivered, and, and as I was saying earlier, I guess parts of the, uh, the control space of that application can be seeded along the way. Um, so back to, I guess, your question of how do we think about an edge network or what, what the section edge network is, um, we think about that edge network as being able to run on any parts of that application delivery chain, whether that be from the origin infrastructure through to, um, I guess, the infrastructure layer, you know, cloud, through to telco and running in telco uh, compute technology, right through to on-premise or even down to the application device itself. Oh, so. I know you mentioned uh, CDNs, so there's the content delivery network side of things where um, instead of pulling information out of one web hosting server, you've seeded it across the edge network. And so there are copies of, let's say, media images or, or other cached files uh, and uh, information stored across the, <coughs> the globe so that there's going to be a local version. It's going to get delivered really fast in many cases. Uh, you've got other optimization layers for things like images there to compress and to, to deliver at the right sizes for the right browsers, the information. What else is happening out there? I, I know that your team, because you've got this containerized solution, you've got a lot of different things that you can uh, drop in, <laughs> in into the solution um, that go above and beyond just the, uh, the CDN implications and maybe some of that, that optimization that can go with it. Uh, yeah, that's true. I think um, we're reaching a point now where more and more parts of applications are being delivered from distributed infrastructure. Um, so you've mentioned a couple of those, those parts of an application, which is uh, delivering images or changing the images on the fly even, uh, which you refer to as image optimization for um, better performance in the, in the browser. Um, but we've also got... Uh, 
uh, application elements such as security layers being delivered from the edge, so web application firewalls are a, a classic example where um, we're running logic or, or, or customers are running logic at the edge to prevent spurious attacks on their website. Um, uh, perhaps uh, running some bot mitigation software at the edge to um, prevent you know, scraping of proprietary information or prevent um, probing attacks on their websites. Uh, we're seeing more um, uh, marketing style uh, application elements being delivered from the edge as well. Uh, so as, as opposed to you know, just straight performance or security elements of the application being delivered from the edge, we've got now things like um, uh, server-side multivariate testing being injected into the chain uh, delivery chain from the edge. And, so like a, uh, a more advanced A-B testing where you can have multivariate, so A, B, C, D all mixed together, um, you know, to, to find the winning permutations and such of, of different changes to content or site elements. Yeah, precisely. And yeah. Um, being able to drop that in from server-side versus in the browser is uh, providing some uh, great benefits from a performance and, and usability perspective. So um, really, all of these components are uh, parts of application logic which are more easily injected at the edge through this uh, container structure we've delivered, but also um, provides a scalability paradigm that, um, uh, that engineers really enjoy because they don't have to think about these components of their application running on their servers in a centralized and centralized infrastructure. They can focus on running the, the important parts of the application that need to run in a centralized infrastructure on that centralized infrastructure whilst letting the edge run these other, other components or other logic elements of the application. Yeah, I know that uh, you know at JetRose we work with a lot of e-commerce users and uh, a lot of Magento users specifically. That uh, your team um, is one of uh, the leaders in varnish at the edge, and so that's certainly been interesting uh, in, in terms of opportunities there to really uh, enhance performance for that particular user base that's so reliant on on those caching layers uh, to really be able to operate. Uh, you know, a, 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 let's call it a an advanced website um, in a more performant way, uh, because otherwise, you know, with, without various caching layers, Magento is often just a bit of a brick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, we all know Magento loves a uh, loves a bit of caching, and and not just image caching, but um, HTML document caching, which becomes a really important thing in terms of uh, scalability and performance. Yeah, so I think that's not dissimilar to most um, modern applications, to be honest. You know, we think about um, even static site delivery, uh, WordPress, you, you name it in the CMS landscape. Um, sure, you know, Drupal, I mean, you, you name it. That uh, Basically, I, I think everyone's looking for performance at this point. Uh, if they're not, <laughs> we're trying to educate them because it's impacting their marketing campaigns and their conversion rates and so many metrics that they do care about that, uh, you know, that they have to be doing things to their website itself to, to be efficient. But there's absolutely things happening in the various hosting layers that, um, that are going to be crucial. So, um, yeah. you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. interesting. It has been interesting sort of watching this conversation develop over the last 10 years in web performance where, um, 10 years ago in the web performance conversation, it was more about uh, the question of does web performance improve 
conversion does web performance uh, improve optimization uh, in terms of user experience um, and I think that conversation has changed now to not does it but how do we most cost effectively deliver that performance for our application at any scale um, so that the, we've sort of moved on from the should we to how do we yeah uh, and, and I think it's partly the maturing of these communities and ecosystems that as time has gone on, developers have learned that these things are are important and that they can work effectively with them. Um, you know, others have, have become more educated. And, and so sometimes it, it takes time to get things through the process. I know that both of our teams are currently running into, you know, little by little more and more users that, that are adopting progressive web apps, uh, PWA, front-end technology. Uh, to load quickly and efficiently. I know a lot of that can be loaded up on the edge um, as opposed to running from an, some sort of a local environment. Yeah, yeah totally. I think um, progressive web apps, um, static site delivery, um, we're seeing uh, headless headless commerce applications being delivered from the edge where you know, the core component of the application database, et cetera, is stored locally, but um, the rendering component of an application can be delivered from the edge really changes the scaling paradigm for um, uh, for operations engineers thinking about how they deal with uh, the volume of traffic that may hit them, you know, particularly when you get to things like um, uh, you know, uh, Black Fridays, uh, et cetera, where all of a sudden you're dealing with significantly more content or significantly more traffic, I should say, than, than at other times. So yeah. um, I think um, uh, edge architecture is really a, a boon for that type of engineering architecture. Uh, engineering thinking. I mean, we don't uh, we don't put out a proposal for a customer facing web app application of of any sort. You know, whether it's an e commerce site, a CMS site, something else that doesn't have those components, uh, that doesn't have an edge network for CDN and, and WAF and uh, and various other components addressed. It's sort of you know, and it's good in a lot of ways that um, it's become a mainstay. Uh, you know, I always wonder about those that that haven't gotten to that point in recent years. Um, but I guess it, it gets more interesting. And you know, we run into a little bit of headless commerce. We're partnered with big commerce around headless, and uh, you know, are able to support a variety of platforms that, that go in that direction. I think it's still early days in some ways in terms of mass adoption uh, of folks going headless. But I think that the technology to do so and the value propositions are growing. We've been putting out a little bit of content on our blog and our site about it. We've been, uh, you know, we've tackled it a little bit on this podcast, you know, but there is, there continues to be more and more that we can push out into the edge um, and more that we can get a better performance for. So, uh, you know, things like I, I, I think uh, we had someone uh, looking at with your team language translation and being able to handle that from the network, uh, you know, that, that your team provides as opposed to um, trying to handle that locally. And, you know, just things that you can do to make changes on the fly in these different layers, uh, these different hops, so to speak, uh, that, that people are traversing as they're getting access to your website, to your content, to your uh, your designs and themes and, and all these elements that uh, that work together that sometimes people forget just how many layers there are and how many additional things you can have there to to really make the whole thing shine. So uh, you know, we run you know DNS and SSLs and all sorts of things in 
different places than we might have uh, in previous uh, you know generations of uh, of what we do. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think that's fair, and um, it probably raises an interesting conversation point around um, you know, as you as you as you were just sort of listing off these things that um, application elements and capabilities that engineers can execute uh, in a distributed uh, network. Now, um, kind of started thinking about well, uh, the one of the key key challenges for engineers thinking about deploying in that fashion is being able to have visibility and control over what's going on in that distributed framework. Um, so we, I think as, um, as our responsibility as providers of edge networks that we make sure that what we deliver for engineers feels you know, comfortable and seamless in terms of how they interact with all of these elements at the edge. Um, because I think if we don't give engineers um, the same level of access and control and familiarity with um, edge compute capability and edge networks as they currently have with uh, cloud and centralized infrastructure, then um, it's going to be it's going to be difficult for for uh, engineers to really feel comfortable with edge. So that's you know it's clearly something we're we're really focused on and interested in a section thinking about that application developer and, and operations engineer and how they interact with all of these components at the edge. Yeah, you know, and I, I think you hit on something interesting there because we know that a lot of the site owners and uh, a lot of the higher level folks involved with these uh, businesses and organizations that need this technology, sometimes this just, it's not, in, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's a bunch of techno babble. <laughs> um, it's too much. So, you know, I, I know that our clients, um, you know, they often trust us to bring the right options to them and that that's really important. Uh, in general, you know, our goal is always to have the right advanced stack so that it it is going to meet the the needs and, and exceed the expectations of our clients. You know, there are things that, that your stack in particular is, is interesting, especially in its alignment with, with how we look at things that JetRails doesn't really like a black box. <laughs> we like businesses to have choice to be able to choose from the right technology. Uh, we want to be able to simplify the management of that and, and have things, you know, look, you've got a great WAF, you've got great, you know, tools to block out bots and DDoS attacks and other things. But if no one is monitoring and managing the tools, if nobody's seeing what's going on and, and tamping things down as, uh, as things are going on, it doesn't always go as smoothly as one would like. There's that human element to to security and to, and to some of these other facets. So, you know, our, our goal is always to be able to look, you know, we've got a 24 seven knock, uh, you know, an operation center where we can monitor and uh, manage and maintain these things and handle it for you, but you have to have the right tech. So, you know, your team gives us options of different AI powered WAFs and, you know, best in class technology that can be stacked together. We don't have to choose let's use this because the CDN is really strong there, but these other components that are part of it, maybe not as much that basically you, you've containerized it, which is so interesting. I, I don't know if you have a lot of competitors that, um, that are doing something similar, but uh, I know by and large for us, it's been, uh, you know, it's been a, a really good offering um, for clients that want to be able to choose the best from column A, B, C, and D and, and so on. Uh, is that really where you 
differentiated market is that you know one of the the biggest uh, value propositions of what of the technology that you've created and and the processes and procedures that you've put into place? Uh, you've, you've definitely hit on something um, that's key to to how we think about. Um, uh, I guess the two major components of section really, um, which is flexibility and control. Um, so. As you mentioned, uh, because we we offer a containerized edge uh, infrastructure, that means we can offer engineers flexibility in what they run at the edge. Um, so yes, we do offer, as you mentioned, we offer multiple different web application firewalls on our infrastructure. We offer different image optimization technology, different bot mitigation technology, uh, different acceleration technology, virtual waiting rooms, um, you know, there's a, there's a, and, and more, and the opportunity, frankly, for engineers to bring custom workload to a section, whether that's containers or containerized or serverless workload, and, and we'll run that at the edge for them. But, uh, you know, what that means when, when I used to buy, uh, CDN, um, as a CIO, when I, when I was thinking about going to those content delivery networks, um, I had to make a choice as to whether I would, uh, go with CDN1, which was stronger in the performance element, uh, but weaker in security, or CDN2, which was stronger in security, but weaker in performance. And I couldn't, couldn't have the best of both worlds. Uh, so we, we built sections specifically to provide that sort of flexibility for engineers so that they could choose the right software for their application at the right, uh, at the right location. You know, for example, some customers choose um, a, a high end, higher end web application firewall to run on Sections platform, but are, are comfortable running a, a lower end image optimization solution. Or maybe they don't even need an image optimization solution, so they choose not to deploy it. Um, so there's great flexibility there. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, the other component that is really important for these engineers then is, is control and familiarity and control. So being able to think about approaching those elements with a proper application development lifecycle against the edge. So you know, we've, we've got a full, fully Git-backed workflow sitting behind the section platform as well as an API-first mentality. So um, we are really thinking about this from the uh, from the application standpoint as opposed to the network standpoint. Uh, if you think about the CDN world, it really did, did um, spawn from uh, solving a, a network problem, a network element, a, net, a networking, networking issue. Um, and what we're talking about these days are, are more application-style issues of how do I get my application to, to work more effectively for more users, but also in a cost-efficient manner so that um, we can provide the right software in the right location at the right time. You know, at JetRails, one of our service areas is, uh, you know, while we have our own bare metal servers and that's what a large portion of our our users uh, are hosted on, one of our bigger growth areas in recent years has certainly been uh, hosting on the public cloud. So we started with with AWS. Uh, You know, we've been having a great time now with the team at DigitalOcean. And, you know, in, in reality, you know, when you start to pay for various elements like that, you know, with our bare metal, now obviously we want to cut down the number of servers that you need and, and other bloat uh, that might occur by trying to keep it all 
in one place. So by distributing some of that workload onto the edge, uh, we can often see some good cost savings by better optimizing files and file sizes and, um, and, and other various components. It works out really well for the end user, but it's easy to see the savings in the cloud where you're often like AWS, when you're paying for those resources for basically the, the bandwidth that's being used, uh, it makes a big difference. Um, so it, it's interesting that often these kind of technologies, not only, like you said, you know, they'll, they'll increase speed, they'll increase security, they'll, they'll cut down on, um, on, uh, you know, on, on some of your card abandonment in e-commerce or, or other conversion issues, but they will also, in many cases, help pay for themselves. Uh, you know, I, I think it really depends on <laughs> on the use case whether it's going to be a net savings or or some kind of cost. But uh, for the value that you get, usually it's it's a really really good mathematical formula. And I think that's often lost on folks. They see an additional expense. They don't always get to understand how that's going to plug in. Um, part of why folks come to hosts like uh, JetRails where they don't have to figure that out that we do that for them, but um, yeah, that makes sense. You know, keeps us in business, I suppose. Uh, no, yeah, that, I that's you, a really good point. I, I think you hit on, the, hit on the key point here earlier, which is um, that uh, this can be techno, techno babble to the people who pay, pay for these uh, services and ultimately enjoy the benefits of what we as IT practitioners deliver for uh, for our businesses. Um, you know, these uh, the CEOs of businesses are, are not looking for edge compute. They're looking for um, uh, more performant applications. They're looking for better conversion. They're looking for uh, higher customer sat. Um, they're looking for uh, the lowest um, lowest cost and to be able to deliver all of those benefits for their business. And um, the the technology teams in these organisations are challenged with finding. The best way of delivering those benefits for their business. Um, yeah. That's the, I guess, uh, one of the other components I probably didn't mention that the CEO would be looking for is risk mitigation. So, yes, um, ha- how can our technical teams in our industry deliver the best outcomes for their businesses for, um, for the lowest cost or the most, most efficient way possible? Um, so, we need to think about using technology tools like. Um, Dynamic edge compute platforms and the experts at the team at JetRails to provide the solutions that enable all the benefits that the business want to enjoy for for the right for the right price for their business as well. Yeah, and it's interesting that you know not every two organizations are the same. Uh, I was recently talking with an org that is in the ticket sales space, and they really cared about. Um, bot mitigation because you know more or less you know scalpers will try to come in buy up the tickets uh, use automated systems to do that and then they'll be selling the tickets for a premium um, to the real folks that actually want to go and see the show and so you really want to limit the abilities uh, of someone to go in and do that um, I, I was have I sat in for a talk with uh, with a friend in the industry Philip Jackson uh, a few months back and talking about how in the shoe industry there are all of these rollouts of uh you know special releases limited releases where maybe there's a thousand of those sneakers available and uh, there's a big line at the door for those digitally speaking uh and so you know not only do you want to make sure that the bots aren't getting in and buying them all up before real people can which is just distressing for uh you know for, for people that uh, that are very vested into that but um 
you also, in some cases, want to set that virtual waiting room where, you know, et cetera, we really believe in auto scaling and um, we want to have our customers ready for whatever traffic is going to come their way. We don't want um, customers in a normal situation to be in that virtual waiting room. It's, uh, you know, our, our goal is to be load tested and ready um, so that that shouldn't happen. But on the flip side, there are times when you do want people in the waiting room because it fits with whatever release you have or whatever else. And obviously, there's different organizations and different use cases for for every piece of tech. But I, I think that that also um, is an important factor to all of this is that not every organization needs the same thing as even the mainstream, um, that there is uh, there is capability um, to be able to get delivered the services and solutions that are going to have an impact for your organization, your business, your bottom line. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll pivot there that one of the interesting things that I'd found about Section is that because you're containerized, basically, so you're, if I think about this, like, you know, I don't know, like, like train cars that you can decide which is in the lead, which is going to be first in the pack and, and, and sort of, you know, the, the order in which these operations are happening as, uh, you know, as data is, is being transmitted, as someone is visiting the site and, you know, data is being sent out to that person's web browser, uh, that there's also a, a hot swappable component to some of this, that if there's a failure in one of these systems or services, which, you know, we see happen, um, some of the biggest companies out there, certainly, uh, you know, including the biggest clouds and otherwise have had outages and recent uh, years, uh, months even, that uh, that impact a variety of services and users. You know, a lot of these applications, um, you know, they sit out there on AWS or Google's cloud or Azure, or other things, um, you know, that, that part of their edge networks and otherwise, it's not necessarily all their own data centers. Often there are, uh, there are others like DigitalOcean in the mix. Um, have you found that that, you know, speaking of redundancy, which is so important to web hosting in general, have you found that that is uh, that, that's something that's been a net benefit? Is it something that doesn't go into play as much, the ability to sort of hot swap if there's uh, an issue with something or maybe to have a failover service if, if one service goes down within, within that, that uh, series of uh, applications that you have running in the edge for folks? Uh, without doubt, you know, um we, uh, without going into to great technical detail, we actually run quite a uh, complex routing, scaling, um, uh, workload management, and uh, location optimization um, uh, structure behind the scenes at Section. Uh, we, we run our platform, I think you mentioned all the major clouds there um, and various other hosting providers. We run our platform on a, a wide variety of hosting providers. Um, our platform will move traffic and move workload dynamically between all those hosting providers if and when they have problems in particular locations. And you know, they, they always, they, they do and they always will have problems at particular locations. Um, so we have seen uh, many instances where a, uh, a data center, maybe it's AWS East, um, is having problems going offline and our, our platform will move traffic from one location to another and bring up that, um, uh, bring up that workload in other locations. So there's various layers of redundancy and providing that for a, 
seamlessly for engineering teams where they don't even have to think about you know, how many servers or how much RAM or CPU they need to buy in particular locations. Our platform just looks after all that and optimizes for them. Um, we've seen some really good results uh, uh, protecting against attacks, um, dealing with infrastructure that is uh, not as reliable as others in certain locations, and dealing with um, uh, internet choke points and networking. So I think um, the, the conversation around um, redundancy is important from our perspective and how we think about our network. Um, probably you'd, you'd uh, reframe that when the tech teams that we're working with are talking to their businesses and they'd be talking about reliability and scalability as the, as the key business outcomes for their for their organizations. Yeah. You know, it, it is interesting, I think, as you go from, you know, those growing established SMB players through mid-market and up to enterprise have some of these conversations change and have some of them uh, in some ways stay the same. Uh, it's, uh, you know, every day is an adventure uh, in the internet, <laughs> one way or another. Um, you know, I, I know we touched on um, the fact that, that your system uses APIs. I know that our team is a web host that leverages lots of different systems is reliant on those things to interconnect and interweave with our operation centers and such. Um, how about uh, data and analytics? I know that some of your competitors, uh, you know, try to provide an amount of information, uh, you know, try to help users understand how the, uh, you know, how the network, uh, you know, it, that's being provided and the tools that are in place are affecting users. Have you found that to be something that's in demand, something that, that your team has had to invest a lot into addressing or um, you know, consistently <laughs> pay attention to? Um, look, I think I mentioned earlier that one of the, the elements that we need to give engineers here, and not just developers of, the, of applications, but also um, operations organizations um, or maybe DevOps teams, depending on how you, how you frame your internal team, uh, need to have to, to, to feel the control of the of the edge environment. And in order to provide control, uh, we need feedback loops. So uh, metrics is a really big part of how we think about um, running the edge. Uh, we we log uh, all the requests that pass through our platform and um, replay that in. Uh, a searchable logs environment. Um, so Elasticsearch, Kibana, Logstash are a key, key uh, interface in, in the section console. Um, and we also crunch that up into a, a metric so we can see some time series information there. Um, now that's available within within about 30, within yeah, less than 30 seconds of a mm -hmm. request passing through our platform. Available too. So it's not uh, technically real time, but it's pretty bloody close. Um, that, that engineers and operations teams can find out what's going on at the edge at all times. Um, so we're uh, very passionate users of um, uh, diagnostics and information. Um, we encourage surfacing that in our um, in our customers' environments as well. Um, one of the I think one of the, the challenges as we think about distributed systems moving forward um, and edge compute is is being able to visualize what's happening in a in a global uh, application environment. And so we've actually spent quite a bit of time 
working with um, a, a company called Metalab who designed Slack from the ground up as the UX. Um, hmm. Working on a, a new interface that's coming out shortly in the section environments of 3D visualization of, of global traffic. Um, that is useful not just on a, a day-to-day operations perspective for, for engineers, um, but also useful to be able to describe to you know, the CFO, the CMO, or the CEO in an organisation what's happening on the system at any point in time. You know, I had a great one uh, with one of our customers who've been a customer, a very large um, car manufacturer, uh, been a, one of our customers for some time, um, and have been running uh, a security layer and a caching layer on the section platform. And when I was walking through this visualization, uh, an early uh, prototype of this visualization with the engineering team, they said, "Ah, that's that's where that that layer is running globally." Uh, so it was a real light bulb moment for these these folks to be able to see how uh, and where the uh, distributed system is running in in some sort of visualization. So. Um, the answer to your question is, is yes, we're very strong on metrics, um, uh, very passionate about metrics and very passionate about uh, engineering teams being able to use those metrics to describe the story of, of what they're doing and, and what wins they're having with, with an edge compute platform. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's often in one way or another overlooked that we all spend so much time talking about the the goals that we don't always talk about how we get there or, uh, you know, how we measure. So. Uh, which are crucial, and that's what it, the behind-the-scenes folks are always working on. That's what teams like ours are are investing a, a lot into. It's you know you have to be able to uh, to monitor and and to see what's actually happening and to optimize. Um, so you know, really interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I was speaking on a on a webinar for DigitalOcean just a few weeks ago, and there was a question that came in about. Uh, using a CDN with uh, a particular SaaS platform, um, it had to have been either off the top of my head, BigCommerce or Shopify. Um, I know that uh, you know folks in those platforms that we we partnered with BigCommerce around headless, as, as I mentioned earlier, um, and that there are cases where folks will come to us to host a custom application that they have had written or a series of custom applications to work with their SaaS solution, but the SaaS solution itself is already hosted in the cloud and in cases of platforms like Shopify, that there are CDNs in use. Um, have you found that there's any sort of uh, a market, you know, beyond, let's say, the open source communities of platforms like Magento and Drupal and WordPress and, you know, varieties of others, but ha- has SaaS brought opportunities to your doorstep in some of the same way that in some cases it does to ours? Yeah, uh, I think so, yes. Um it's SaaS, SaaS applications have unique challenges uh, dealing with thousands, tens of thousands of domains for a particular application. Um, so we, we also work with big commerce websites. Um, there are some other platforms that uh, don't play very nicely with additional layers sitting in front. Um, they've made uh, specific architectural decisions to kind of break the internet. Um, <laughs> Um, well said. <laughs> del- delicately said. Um, but uh, uh, we, we actually do have a number of, um, of SaaS platforms who work with the Section uh, Edge Compute platform. And the reason they work with Section versus other platforms is because of 
all of that automation and control suite, uh, in addition to the uh, flexibility to be able to choose the edge layer that makes sense for their application. So things like, you know, just simple things like um, uh, the API structure to be able to uh, spin up a, a new domain on the section platform without needing to, to come into the section console at all. Um, and the fact that section provides um, automated certificates, SSL certificates for every customer, DNS records, uh, configurations code, all of these elements make um, make it so easy for SaaS platforms to run the edge layers that they need. Uh, you know, it's been it's been uh, again interesting watching the the industry change. I think Let's Encrypt have done a, a wonderful job in the in the SSL space. Where previously, if you went to some of the legacy CDNs, uh, they would charge you an arm and a leg to run a an SSL certificate on their platform. Uh, and in fact, I think. Uh, a number of them still do charge you to run SSL certificates on their platform. When you know, Let's Encrypt has changed the game and, and um, allows everyone to run SSL certificates for free. So we're fully in, um, integrated with, with Let's Encrypt and provide automated SSL certificates that auto-renew the well, and that's, I think, one of the most important parts that I've seen folks that try to use things like Let's Encrypt. They don't auto-renew. That leads to headaches. So no, spot on. Um, automation, systems help. Yeah, nobody wants to be embarrassed by an expired SSL certificate on their website, right? Not at all. You know, it's, uh, you know, we certainly see a variety of businesses. Um, you know, we run into a, a lot of, uh, a lot of companies that are running outdated versions of PHP that are running CMS and e-commerce platforms that aren't up to date in terms of patching. And uh, and software updates. I mean, there, there's all sorts of things going on out there in the wild. Um, you don't run into too many that uh, <laughs> that have their SSLs down for too long, but you do run into some that have their SSLs down in a recurring pattern every six months or year. <laughs> there, are, there are some big companies that have done it in some very embarrassing moments. That's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And look, you know, I, you know, I mean, speaking up. One of the, the bigger topics that keeps coming up on my plate is Magenta One End of Life, uh, helping folks to stay um, PCI compliant through compensating controls uh, if they can't get patches directly from Adobe. Um, you know, they may be able to get patches from another vendor like Mage One, one of our, our other uh, partners. Yep. Um, but nonetheless, uh, being able to handle a lot of those security layers. So I, I imagine that. Um, our teams are going to keep running into more and more of that where folks are looking to specifically understand what are the security layers, what do they have, um, you know, who's monitoring what. I mean, look, a lot of the biggest data breaches that I can think of, usually there was some security system that noticed that there was something, you know, amiss, something was awry, but it wound up, uh, you know, the alert wound up in some stack somewhere and some pile of emails that no one did anything about in a timely fashion. And that's how you know, Fortune 500s wind up in hot water. It's not that they didn't know that they had a problem. It's that um, they didn't take notice and react. Um, yeah. So just understanding what's at play, because if your PCI compliance is in uh, in question, um, the last thing that you want to do is, uh, is deal with any sort of a breach um, that at that point, your liability, the fines and things that, that can be assessed of you are pretty dastardly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that we're going to keep seeing interesting subtopics within some of these communities as there are 
different issues that apply to different users for different time points. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, our job um, uh, between organisations like Jet Rails and Section is to make it as easy as possible for these engineering teams to achieve the outcomes that they're looking for, like maintaining levels of security. Um, you know, most of these engineering teams are, are not looking to think about um, certificate renewal or uh, some of those uh, DNS records. Uh, they're looking to, to deliver their code um, to, to, to make a functional change to the core application that's going to change their, change their organisation. So um, I think as, as um, organisations like Jet Rails and Section continue to deliver those, um, those core components that, that make it easy and cost-effective for, for engineering teams, then um, uh, yeah, we will see a better internet. Awesome. Well, this has been uh, <laughs> a lot of fun. I uh, always appreciate when we can get a, a slightly more technical conversation going, but um, hopefully one that uh, that helps folks that are, are less uh, aware to become more aware of um, of what they can get out there and, and some of the net benefits and, and tools that, uh, that, that they can uh, take advantage of in the market. Anything new coming down the pike um, or any final thoughts that, that you want to share before we uh, wrap up for the day? Well, there's, there's plenty new and exciting coming. I mentioned um, the, uh, well, we don't call it a UX, but a DX, a developer experience coming down the pipe um, that is really going to be game-changing, I think, in terms of how engineering teams can, can visualize and communicate around their, um, their distributed infrastructure i.e. their edge compute um so that's really exciting i just can't wait to get that in the market and and get some people testing it um we're also spending a fair bit of time thinking about um and we've built a a machine learning structure behind our traffic forecasting to help the um, accuracy of moving traffic around to the right place at the right time and bring up infrastructure at the right place at the right time so we're seeing some really Good results from um, the neural network built there, and um, pretty excited to, to see that take um, take effect in the wild as well. Sounds like fun to me. <laughs> I don't know if that makes me normal or not, but sounds like a lot of fun to me. Awesome. Well, yeah. Stu, this has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you coming on uh, the podcast today. Uh, for our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Feel free to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or for the, the videos uh, of our podcasts uh, available through YouTube and through our Facebook page in full. Um, so great places to, uh, to subscribe and to follow us. If you have thoughts, if you have comments, um, we love to hear from you. So whether through LinkedIn, Twitter, um, directly through jetrails.com, feel free to reach out. And, uh, you know, quick public service announcement, as we've been having, there are solutions on market. There are initiatives to help merchants uh, that have been struggling uh, in one way or another through the uh, current COVID-19 crisis that uh, economically and and physically uh, has impacted so many. Um, We'll be sharing some links in the show notes uh, in the description of the episode. Uh, If you know anyone that can benefit, by all means, please do share. Um, as always, um, you know, we appreciate you. <laughs> if there's anything we can do for you, we hope to hear from you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and happy selling.